Good afternoon, everybody. I am joined on this Women in Web3 podcast with Sandy Carter um, of Unstoppable Domain. Sandy, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thanks for having me, Catherine. I can't wait for the podcast. So exciting. We are so excited to have you, especially because this week is International Women's Week. That's right. In fact, tomorrow is like the day. We've got a lot planned. But you know what, Catherine? I think that every day should be International Women's Day, don't you? I agree. And I mean, what better place to talk about it than Women in Web3 podcast? So, Sandy, um, I wanted to talk to you about um, your role as COO and head of uh, business development at Unstoppable Domains. But first, if we can tell the people out there, what is Unstoppable Domains? What does that mean? Because I think when most of us here, or at least the Web2 users in us here, uh, domain, we think website. But that's not what this means. That's right. So uh, Unstoppable Domains is a digital identity company. And in the Web3 world, a domain represents your digital identity. So that's like your reputation as a person online. Um, you can use it for email. You can use it to log in. And unlike in the Web2 land, where when you log into a platform, you log in with your email and your um, password, and then all the data about you is saved by that company or that platform, here you control all that data. So all that data is yours. You own your digital identity. It's yours because it is who you are um, out there in the digital world. And when we talk about our digital identities and our digital assets, what are the different types of things that unstoppable domains can aggregate for individuals out there? Yeah, if you don't mind, I'm going to I'm going to share a little bit about, you know, what this might look like because I'm a very visual learner, so it really helps me to see it. Um, so this is my um, my profile. And, you know, as I was showing you this earlier, you really nailed it. This is like a LinkedIn page for Web3. It has everything on it that I want to, to really brand as my reputation. So you can see up here at the top, I've got unstoppable domains. You could put a picture of your cat or your dog or a city. It's very customizable for what you want to be branded as. Um, my domain is here at sandy.nft. That is my digital identity. And you can see that that is linked to my avatar. So these worlds, Web3 and the metaverse, are really coming together where your digital identity is front and center in the metaverse. This happens to be an avatar that's a Ready Player Me avatar that works in over 4,000 different metaverses. So now I can have a consistent, if you're part of a marketing team, a consistent look and feel, a consistent reputation, just like I do when I go to a real-world conference. I can see that in the metaverse. You can also see that I've now linked in here my crypto wallets, which means that I can transact with Sandy.nft. In fact, Catherine, I was just in Las Vegas for a conference, and several of the stores there actually accept crypto, and I was able to use Sandy.nft to pay for goods in Las Vegas. And That's then amazing. It's pretty cool, right? And then you can see here, I've got a, uh, a token gallery. A token is just a digital asset. And I can now showcase things that are important to me. So for example, um, I'm a member of a wallet council and I run an award for being most inspirational women of Web3 in the metaverse. 
If I'm also, you know, very interested in saving the environment and the climate, which I am, you can see here I've got a badge from Nori that says every NFT I own is now carbon neutral, for example. Um, or I could even look at, you know, all the tickets. I don't know about you, but, you know, for me, I have a whole basket of tickets, right, of all the great concerts I've been to and events and fashion shows that I've been to. Now I can collect those all digitally. And you can see here, um, there's a couple that I have. This is a Gary Vee ticket. I've got a couple of different uh, conferences I've gone to. That's a music festival called Sonic Bloom. This is Psyche, a brand new um, event that's out there. Um, really cool. They have a, you can see an animated um, uh, view of that as well. And then of course, as you, um, you know, as you walk down here, you can see all of my social media is tagged in. I do have a website. So, you know, with that domain, I can do a website, but you can see here, it's so much more. I have badges and everything else that's in here too. So this digital identity now is really showcasing and becoming who I am in the metaverse. Really cool. Yeah, I said earlier, I felt like it was like the Web3 LinkedIn. Um, it's like Web3 LinkedIn meets like your Apple wallet in one, um, really like an aggregator for that. And I think really simplifies and streamlines that process. I know a big problem for a lot of those of us out there in the Web3 space is figuring out how to manage all of these different things. There's so many different platforms and we're looking for one place to manage all of it um, and be able to see it very simply and quickly. So I think that's, that's really yeah, interesting. And, and one of the other things I would say, it is like, you know, you nailed it, right? Your Web3 LinkedIn, but the, the fascinating thing is this is on the blockchain. So it's on chain, which means that it's immutable and non-changeable. So for example, if I graduated from Duke University, which I did, I could show an NFT on chain that said I graduated from Duke. Um, I was just reading an article the other day that said about 40% of people on LinkedIn who say they graduated from a college never graduated from that college. Isn't that unreal? It's really unreal to think about it. And then it like makes you question your like, Hmm, is somebody, because right now there's, it's just what you put on there. I mean, it's yep. like when we go to the DMV and we write down our weight, it's whatever I want it to be <laughs> uh, that day. Same thing with LinkedIn. There is no um, proof. And I think in a time where our society, you know, we have all this, you know, fact checking what's true, what's not true. I think it really adds that layer of transparency. Yeah, I agree. So now you can actually validate, uh, you know, what's been true and what's not. I'll give you one other value prop is, you know, just the reward system that you can get from that too, Catherine. So for example, um, you know, how do you know if someone actually went to your event? Do you just count on them to tell you, well, now I've got a digital ticket inside of my identity so I can prove, hey, I really did go to that Super Bowl or I really did go to that music festival which also gives a way for companies to reward users like myself directly, not having to go through a third party, but to reward me for my loyalty, maybe going to that music festival two or three times. And I think that's another topic in Web3 that's so important is all of these, you know, digital creators, if you think about musicians, like look at like Taylor Swift um, and the Ticketmaster scandal um, or, you know, all these different things, they would love to know like, 
who are really the people that are coming to my events, buying swag, etc.? How do I identify them and reward them and cut out the middleman? That's right. And that's exactly what this does. This can enable you to do that. So for example, um, one company that we're working with, they're looking at if you have a ticket and you've been to one of their events before, he's very committed to climate. So if you have a sustainability badge and you've taken education, he wants to encourage Web3 and Metaverse education, he was going to do a separate event so people could come meet him if they met those three criteria. What a great way to you know, reward based on actually doing something of value, reward your fans, reward your reward users. Reward and define your audience. You know, who yeah. do you want your audience to be? Because right now there's not really you know, a way uh, to do that, to say like, these are the kind of people I'm looking for, um, part of you know, my base um, to grow. And so I think that's really cool um, for that. But Sandy, tell me about how you got into Web3, because obviously Web3 is kind of like over the last five years really grown in popularity um, and in adoption. But how did you get into the space? Yeah, so I used to work for Amazon Web Services, which is an amazing company, by the way. Anybody who ever has an opportunity to work there, I would highly encourage it. Um, and while I was at Amazon Web Services, I was there for about five years. Um, my boss asked me to go and start looking at emerging tech that our customers were using in my particular industry. And one of those technologies was blockchain. Um, I looked after financial services, some of the public sector, um, healthcare, supply chain companies, and they were using blockchain. And it got me really fascinated, and I started looking at other applications, Catherine, and that's where I was like, wow, look at all these cool Web3 things. So I started going down the rabbit hole, um, investigating Web3, and uh, combined it kind of with looking at AR and VR, which makes up the metaverse as well, and it just got me so interested. I started doing all these side projects on the weekends on Web3 and blockchain and the metaverse. And, um, and then the CEO of Unstoppable, who is amazing, uh, called me up and took me to dinner uh, in Seattle. And the rest is history. Here we are. Here we are. Um, I think it's really cool that I think a lot of businesses, especially those top dogs, like you think about Amazon and now, you know, um, Apple and all these companies are all looking about how they can adopt Web3 technology. Um, and I think the crucial piece is, is doing what Unstoppable Domains has done and making it user friendly. Uh, you know, I was reading the other day about, you know, the barrier to en enter Web3 and the like number one reason is like, me as a, like a younger person, I feel like I'm pretty technically savvy but not all the technology and the platforms are built to be intuitive like Unstoppable um, Domains is. How long do you think it will take for Web3 technology to become mainstream? Mm, great question. If I knew, I could probably make a lot of money on that one. I'm going to, I think about five years, to be honest, uh, Catherine. I see so much movement today, and that next generation coming up, the Zoomers are really valuing digital assets so much more than in real life. Um, I see a couple of industries really catapulting ahead. You know, folks like uh, in fashion, I mean, look how quickly, of course, you would kind of guess it because they're very creative, but you know, the fashion industry has just taken off in this space. So 
I don't know if there'll be one answer because the different industries are approaching it at different times, but fashion, uh, entertainment, food and beverage. I mean, you saw some of the stuff that was done at the Super Bowl commercials. Automotive. I mean, look at what BMW is doing for gathering new ideas, sports, um, technology, hospitality. I think all of these industries are going to outpace what we're seeing overall, but I would say maybe five years. And I do think that ease of use is one of the things that's a blocker right now for us going mainstream. There's too many, you know, code words like minting, blockchain, down the rabbit hole. Um, and then there's just too much, I think, uh, in some cases, the user interface is not there. That's why we at Unstoppable focus so much. We're the entry point into Web3. We focus so much on ease of use. And, you know, you can buy a domain with a credit card or PayPal, or you can use crypto. So we try to make it, you know, to adjust to where a customer was in their journey. I think that's a really great point because I think about, you know, now, like nowadays with our iPhones, I, you know, um, I don't know exactly how my iPhone works. I don't know the software, you know, technology behind it, but I don't need to know how it works. The average person doesn't need to know. They just need to know that it works. Um, and I think Web3, I think there's some companies out there that's kind of the fault is you're really solving problems with Web3, but the average user doesn't, you know, I don't say, hey, I work on a Web2 website or right. I use Web2. It really is just a like tool to create a better solution to whatever problem you're solving. But I think that's um, where Unstoppable Domains is really getting it right um, with it. And it's just focusing on making like, what problem am I solving for, you know, the user, hey, I'm protecting their identity, I'm aggregating their assets um, and that identity all in one place, and they don't, you know, the user doesn't have to know how, you know, know these complex terms or anything like that. They just need to know that it works. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And I, and I think, you know, in five years, we won't be talking about Web3, we'll just be talking about the internet. And that internet will be this new immersive internet embedding in it part of the metaverse and part of Web3. That's to me when I know we've made it, is when we're not talking about the Two separate worlds. Yeah, we're talking about the business outcome, what it delivers in that space, right? So maybe in the future, yours would not be weather, web, women in Web3, it would be you know women of high-performing businesses or business outcomes, because that's what we'll be talking about are all the great value points that Web3 brings to the table. I think that's really crucial is those value points. But I mean, we were talking earlier is the adopt about the adoption and how you know, you said your 80 year old mother um, is a Web3 user. And I'm like, I think she deserves like on her unstoppable or on her profile, it probably has a award for like most mature um, or distinguished Web3 user. You know, um, I was thinking about that. We did do a, a, a little award for our youngest domain user. They were six weeks old, um, one of the princes out of the Middle East. Uh, and I do think we should do something for the most, I love most, ex, what'd you say, experience Distinguished. or Distinguished. Distinguished. I like that. Mature. Yeah. Uh, but I do have to tell you, I was working with a gentleman who was 101 trying to get wow. his domain set up. Yeah, this was when I first came in and he reached out to me. 
And um, he said, I think you could help me. And I was like, okay, I hope you don't think I'm 101, but I'm happy to help and assist you. And he got his domain up and working and running. So, you know, I think that it's really less about age, to be honest. It's more about your curiosity. Um, you know, are you willing to learn and be curious and explore this new space? You know, the whole next generation growing up, um, I was just at a friend's birthday party and her daughter, I was asking her, you know, what do you want me to get you for your birthday? She wanted Roblox, which is, you know, the, the money for Roblox. Oh, I'm very familiar with the Roblox gift cards. That is a ticket item in the Rick Meyer family for some of my cousins. Yeah. And so, you know, think about that. I mean, I asked her, she said, I'm redesigning my bedroom, which I thought meant her real life bedroom. But no, she's designing her bedroom in Roblox and she wanted money that she, you know, Roblox that she could use to design that virtual bedroom. And uh, I just found it fascinating that she wanted to invest in a digital asset. And I'm finding that happening in so many places. Another friend of mine, her son asked for a pair of um, tennis shoes and her mother was like, wow, you, you've never paid attention to brands. Well, a gamer in one of the metaverses was wearing this particular brand of shoes. And I think this is something that every brand should pay attention to. Her son gravitated to that brand because this gamer in the metaverse wore them, not because he saw it on the TV ad, or read about it in a magazine, or even saw it on his iPhone. He experienced it in the metaverse. I think it's gonna completely change the way that we do branding in the future and the way that companies will reach their audience. Do you think that the you know digital transformation has changed our values? I mean, you think about before um, when it's like, hey, I had a whole binder full of CDs um, back in the day, you know, and now all of that is, you know, all my songs are digitally um, on a phone. Honestly, I wish there was a way, you know, for physical clothes to do the same thing. I hate moving them every time I move. Yeah. But how do you think that, um, you know, as these Zoomers come up, um, value has changed? Because I think a lot of people now will be like, you know, some of the older generation will be like, why would I buy a piece of art if it's just online? Mm -hmm. You know, they think so, they value so much that physical aspect. What do you think is the key, um, like, change in psyche? Yeah, I think, I think this is going to change over time. And right now, you know, this is one of the things that we were just talking about at a conference I was at most recently where um, at right now when you're trying to talk about the metaverse, and I think instead of, you know, right now the mantra is digital first. Mm -hmm. I think that's going to change to metaverse first. That's my, that's what, that's what I you heard it here first, metaverse first from yeah, that's Sandy. What, that's what I think is going to happen. And um, as you look at the metaverse first, obviously digital assets are going to be rated higher. Today, when I go into present my ideas about Web3 and the metaverse, I'm talking to someone who's of my generation. So I have to explain to them why digital assets are important and how digital transformation will become metaverse. If I go down to college, you know, I'm an adjunct professor at a college, I don't have to even do that. They're like, duh, why are you wasting time telling me that that's of value? Um, and they want to get right into the utility, like what is the utility I can do with your digital asset? And so I think over time, 
you know, and maybe five years will be enough. Maybe it's seven years. I think we're going to see more of that generation coming into business positions where they can make decisions. Because today, like I said, when I go in to tell someone about it, I first have to convince them of why it's important or why it's valuable. Um, and I was even fascinated, Catherine. I was just at Davos, you know, where all the CEOs of companies and heads of countries are. And, um, you know, of course, AI was one of the big top topics, but the metaverse was. The metaverse was a big topic. So I think it's starting to infiltrate. I think people are starting to understand the value proposition of this new world. I think there is, you know, like you said, the understanding, um, the learning curve, especially for an older um, generation. Um, and you brought up an interesting term that we hear a lot when we're talking about Web3 or even just, I feel like tech startups in general, which is utility. I think for so long, um, there were people who mocked Web3. They're like, oh, dancing monkey NFT. Uh, and, uh, you know, as we, you know, this year has been, you know, a tough year for startups, non-Web3 um, and Web3. Um, and the biggest thing for companies moving forward is to really define and have utility. What do you think some of the um, utility, like, what are going to be some of the biggest um, Web3, like, utility startups and solutions? Yeah, so I think that, um, you know, if you think about utility from a Web3, which for me is all about that digital identity point, I think that a lot of the utility will be around using that identity in places where your reputation is needed or required. So, for example, you know, you need to prove you can buy something. I think that's a great use case. It was our first one. Or being able to set up a secure and encrypted email, being able to do that email rotation. But I think even more importantly will be um, in the metaverse. You know, you saw earlier how my digital identity is attached to an avatar. And I think, you know, in the metaverse, there are going to be so many use cases around that. For, for example, we're already seeing Accenture. When they onboard a new employee, um, their employees are all onboarded through the metaverse. All of their training, wow. all of their education is done in the metaverse. And as people learn in the metaverse, they're kind of drinking their own champagne, right? Because they're presenting the metaverse to their customers. And so they want their employees to know what it feels like. And so they have to create an avatar and they have to have a personality in the metaverse. And I think that that's a lot of value. They found that retention through onboarding is much higher. Training is much higher. Um, I mentioned BMW earlier. BMW has done like an innovation hub inside the metaverse to collect new ideas from the new drivers that are coming up. Like, what are, you, what are you expecting? And they've got their researchers in there interacting with these avatars. Again, another great use case. They're finding greater innovation that's coming out of the metaverse. So, you know, whether it's like email or whether it's engaging your customers or, you know, like BMW is doing with, uh, with the metaverse or, you know, looking at how you onboard with something like Accenture or even just, you know, building a headquarters. So I run a group called Unstoppable Women of Web3. So we've got something there in common. We both love Web3. 
And uh, one of the things that we did was we built a headquarters in Decentraland in a metaverse platform. And we learned so much just by building and figuring out what our audience wanted to hear about, how to build it. Like, for example, one simple thing was it was a headquarters, so we wanted a door on it. But, you know, using as an avatar to open a door is hard. So we hosted an event there and we, uh, you know, we were running late. So we came up to the door and there's like this huge group of people. Nobody could open the door. So we took the door off. We no longer have that door um, on our metaverse. So I think, you know, those types of learnings are, I think, really important as you're moving forward and getting that value prop, you know, um, getting the value prop out into the marketplace is also just super important as you're, uh, you know, as you're, uh, as you're moving forward as well. Businesses are increasingly adopting this technology and innovating with it. How long do you think before the government really starts? You know, Tennessee, we became the second state to allow for de recognized decentralized autonomous organizations last year. Um, but how long, because like to me, I'm like, why wouldn't the government have like a blockchain of all this data and information that was immutable and, you know, there? I feel, and I know government's slower to adopt anything, um, but how long do you think it will be or will we see that? Well, I think we're already starting to see it. So if you go, at, let's say outside the U.S., if we look at outside the U.S., we're already seeing, you know, Korea announced their metaverse city for Seoul. They're actually providing citizen services in a metaverse. Um, if we go over to the Middle East, we're already seeing the Middle East, they're setting up whole universities in the metaverse to teach about blockchain, Web3, and the metaverse. And all those universities are government run. Even here in the US, I mean, one of my favorite new examples, Catherine, is the DMV. Mm -hmm. Nobody likes going to the DMV. So what they're starting to do is they're starting in California, and it's just a project right now, but they're starting to take uh, titles to vehicles and make those as an NFT, right? So a mat, yeah. So now inside of your digital identity that I showed you earlier, now your title to your car or your boat or your motorcycle would be stored in that digital identity. And I think the same thing for like real estate. Um, you think yeah. about titles and things like that. All these paper documents that like if you lose it, if you lose your social security cards, like you're like, oh my gosh, like it takes, you know, an act of Congress to get it back. But it's like, and we shouldn't have to keep up with that with, you know, the way that we're moving and living in society. But I think the only way to ensure that it is secure right now, other than a physical copy, is having that, you know, something on the blockchain. Right. And people ask me, they're like, okay, Sandy, but you know, an average person can't manage their data. Well, they can't maybe manage their data today, right? Because it's hard. But I was talking to my grandmother, actually, and she was telling me, you know, Sandy, back in the day, nobody thought that there would be refrigerators in your house. Like that was like an impossibility. But today, who doesn't have a refrigerator in their house? I think in the future, we're going to have an appliance that's going to be like a data appliance, super easy to use. Back, Catherine, to your other point, you know, easy to use, easy to manage. And you'll have that appliance sitting in your home and you will be using that to manage your data because your data is who you are, right? And so you're going to want to have that data 
that you control, that you manage, that you're leveraging and that you're using you know, as you move forward. So I do think that um, this could be quite fascinating you know, as you, uh, you know, as you move uh, ahead. I think it definitely is fascinating, especially because you think about all these personalities people have developed and created on social media. Um, and then, you know, that you can be, you know, deplatformed in a second and all of those, your audience is gone, your content is gone. And so you don't really own that. Um, so I think really giving ownership back to individuals um, will be uh, critical um, moving forward. And like you said, doing that in a way that's easy to use is going to be, I think that will be the turning, the turning point for sure. Um, yeah, I, I agree. And in fact, um, I just want to, uh, if I could just real quickly, I was uh, just brainstorming using some of the AI tools. You know, we're starting to bring in a lot of the AI tools. I'm a chat GBT fiend. Yeah, well, there you go, right? So I wanted to just show you, I was, um, I was telling um, actually mid-journey and I was describing what this appliance might look like. And I said, could you draw me a picture? So this is the picture it drew. Um, you know, like a weekly overview of your data that's sitting right there in your home that's accessible by you. And I thought, wow, this is really cool, right? That you could actually be sitting there looking at your data, having it as easy to manage as turning on your TV and turning off your TV um, as you're going. So, you know, I do think that this is something that could be possible in five, seven years that you manage your own data on a data appliance as easy as you do your TV today. I actually love that image that you just showed because I'm like, how nice would it be just to go and tap, just like if I tap on like my banking apps and things like that and I can see everything, how, but really get your full scope of who you are in your life and your data all in one place. Yeah, it's, I think, I think it's, I think it's going to happen. I think it's going to happen faster than people realize. And, uh, and I do think that when it happens, um, I think that there will be a lot of people that are ahead of the game, like you, right, who, who grasp things like super fast and super easy. And then there'll be people that are left behind. And I'm, I'm just happy that people on your podcast are going to be those that are in that group that are not going to be left behind because they can go and get their digital identity and get started today. Even if you don't like use it every day, at least you've gotten started and you understand what's happening and you can watch for the signs and the progress. You said it earlier, I think it's that insatiable curiosity and the willingness to learn. And that is, that is no matter what we're talking about, whether we're talking about tech, trying new restaurants, it takes somebody saying, hey, I haven't done this before, but I want to try um, and valuing that. That's a great point. Um, a friend of mine is a professor at Stanford. And she wrote a book. She did research, Catherine, on all the great innovators of our time, right? So Jeff Bezos and Steve uh, Jobs when he was alive and uh, Ian Musk. And um, in all of her research that she did on all, I think she did 1,500 leaders, she found one thing in common amongst all of them. And that was that all of them asked over 100 questions a day. Um, and so she started doing research and found out that when we were kids, we asked about 100 questions a day. And if you have a kid, you know this, right? Like, why is the sky blue? Why are there clouds up there? They'll just keep asking questions. But on average, as adults today, we're asking 10 to 20 questions. We're not as curious as we used to be. 
and all those big innovators are asking 100 to 1,000 questions a day. So I think the more curious you are and the more questions you ask, um, which is kind of cool for you as a podcaster, you're going to learn more and more and more faster because of your curiosity and those questions. Well, I love that. Um, I started off my career as a produ news producer for an NBC affiliate in Huntsville um, and then worked in print journalism and then, um, you know, now I'm doing this. But I think it's that insatiable, you know, curiosity. I tell people because they're like, oh, you know, like a lot about it's not that I'm smarter um, than anybody or uh, anything like that. It's just asking. And I think that was a, I really love that statistic of 100 versus 20 because you do think about it. I mean, I think about the young kids that I know, and it's just like, you know, sometimes I'm like, all right, quit the questions, quit with the questions. Um, yep. But if we were to take that same, you know, acceleration and maintain that same pace of questions, how much more would we absorb um, versus now? It's almost like as you get older, you're embarrassed to ask questions. Right, because you don't want people to know that you don't know the answer. Or, you know, a lot of people just really don't care. Like for me, when someone shows me a new technology, I want to understand, like, okay, so how does it work? Like, how is it immutable? Like, how does that happen? Versus, oh, okay, it's immutable, right? I want to go deep. I want to understand why and how. And I think that's really where you get those learnings. Um, and it's something that we practice at Unstoppable, you know. Um, I call it customer obsession. If you're constantly asking your customers or your users and your partners, what do you want to do? Okay, tell me more. Don't just say you want to use it for this. Tell me how. Tell me why. Um, then you're going to get those great ideas out so that when you produce your offering and your products, they're on target for the market. I love that. Well, Sandy, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Women in Web 3. Um, for those who are watching, we will put a link uh, to Unstoppable Domains in Sandy's LinkedIn as well, so you can connect with her. And thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much, Catherine. I really appreciate it.